0: This has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, "John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead." For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and had had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, "'Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you.' And he promised her with an oath, "'Whatever you ask, I'll give to you, up to half my kingdom.' She went out and said to her mother, "'What shall I ask for?' "'The head of John the Baptist,' she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, "'I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter.' The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her." So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, they would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly after dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake, and he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, "'Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid.' Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. And they had crossed over the land again asserted and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus." They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, and wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the countryside. They placed the sick in marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. I'm going to invite Matt up. He's going to be sharing the word today. There he is. What
1: is up, everybody? Yes, my name is Matt Shell, and uh, this is my 11th year at Summit. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I took that break, but um, I'll be graduating this coming spring, and from start to finish, it will be 11 years. And um, therefore, it's no surprise when I'm working at my internship that the middle school boys that I work with uh, are obsessed with calling me a boomer, I do want to point out that I am, in fact, not a boomer. <laughs> I also want to point out that while I was a student here, in the early years, there was still pews in the chapel. And uh, my roommates and I, at one point, we unfastened some of them and turned them around. Um... So, now we have chairs. <laughs> all right. So that's a, that's a lot of verses that, um, Jacob just read, right? And, um, so just fasten your seatbelts. We are going to go on a whirlwind. Uh, however, I'm not going to preach on all of that. Uh, cause, you know, that's a lot. So who has one of these with them today? Yeah, Uh, that's a Bible. (laughs) Yeah, so a cell phone. So if you have a cell phone, especially if you're one of the middle school youth that are at my internship, you know something about dependence, right? Youth are obsessed with their cell phones. They are super dependent and they just can't put it down. In fact, if they forget uh, their charger when they go on a youth trip, you'll see them breathing into paper bags. They're just losing their minds. They're so dependent on it. And as adults, as students, we're dependent on a lot of different things. Some of us might be dependent on a job to get us through our our studies here. We have so many things in the world that uh, pull our attention and we find ourselves dependent on but how often do we find ourselves um, understanding about the dependency on Jesus, on having dependency on Jesus? See, the disciples had to learn something about dependency on Jesus. And in Mark 6, starting in 45, that's where we'll be, um, the disciples had to learn some lessons on dependency, uh, the dependency of Jesus. So, um, We're going to jump right in. Verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. And so the idea, the word, one thing I love about Mark is he's a man of action. There's always immediately in in a lot of the scriptures that he's writing. But it says immediately. So it creates this idea of urgency, right? And um, the verb made. So there's an idea of force here too. So Jesus made them get into the boat. John's Gospel tells us that the crowds at this time, because uh, how many of you know that this, uh, this passage of Jesus walking on the water, this narrative is also in, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John. And so the Gospel of John actually tells us that uh, at this time, the crowds were wanting to make Jesus king. And so maybe this is why Jesus was making the disciples get into the water because they didn't need to be a part of that. They didn't need to see all that silliness going on. And if we look down at verse 52, we can surmise that the disciples had missed something. Jesus was sending them out to teach them something. So it says here, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. So we look back at at the story about the loaves quick. So in verse 34, just flip back to there. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So Jesus, the good shepherd, begins to teach them. What does a shepherd do? He feeds them also. But uh, when they needed to feed the, um, the crowd, at this point, The disciples said that they don't have enough. They were in a remote place. Another word for remote is desolate. So they were in a desolate place, and the disciples found themselves in a desolate situation at the same time. On their own accord, they were unable to feed the crowd. On their own, they couldn't do what needed to be done. So... Desolate disciples are in need to depend on Jesus. And what are we? We're also disciples, right? And what do we need to do? We also need to depend on Jesus. So when we depend on him, we can do the impossible, right? Desolate disciples are to desperately depend on Jesus. So uh, verse 52 indicates that they hadn't got the lesson. Um, this table's kind of small. <laughs> Need a bigger table because I like, because like I'm a boomer, so I wrote my stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> These old bones. <laughs> so immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He's sending them. From a desolate situation into a desperate situation. It's kind of, uh, I think about Genesis 1 two. It's a dark, watery mess where they're going. And without God, it's chaotic. Verse 47 says, When the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone on the land. So the disciples are in the middle of the lake. And, uh, and uh, so Jesus was sending the disciples from a desolate place where they didn't catch the lesson into a desperate place where hopefully they would catch the lesson. Verse 48, we continue on. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And straining, another word for that is tormenting. And while I was reading, doing some research for this, tormenting originally was written as a word word to describe the testing of the quality of metal. And uh, in many ways, Jesus was testing the disciples' dependence on him. Matthew's Gospel even says that the boat was being tormented. And John's Gospel says that the disciples had rowed all night. It continues on here in verse 48 to say that um, it was the fourth watch of the night, which is somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So 3 a.m., it's super dark, right before dawn. 6 a.m., it's maybe not so dark. But um, nonetheless, desolate disciples are now desperate disciples because they're in the middle of the lake. Uh, John's Gospel would describe them as approximately six kilometers out into the lake. And, um, and alone, they can't do it. So they've been going all night, and they can't cross the water on their own. Desolate disciples are now desperate disciples. This brings us to lesson one. God reveals in trials our own limitations. God reveals in trials our limitations. Trials show us our limitations. Trials show us that we need Him every day in every situation. So they're out in the middle of the water, Genesis 1-2, all over again. The earth is empty, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Here comes Jesus walking on the surface of the water with the chaotic sea underneath him. This was a display of his power and his authority, his ability to subdue creation and chaos. Understanding that uh, all things were created by him, through him, and for him. Colossians says, And verse 48 continues on. This is kind of an odd part. He was about to pass them by, it says. This kind of is an allusion to Exodus 33, uh, where Israel was uh, just finished crossing through the desert. Um, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and uh, he comes down. Israel, worshipping golden calf, uh, having a party, a good old time, uh, but doing everything wrong. God says to Moses, you can go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. Moses knows that they can't do anything on their own. Without God, there's no point in going to the promised land. And so he intercedes for them. And in verse 19 of Exodus 33... Um, Mm -hmm. That happened because I'm old. (laughs) So, it says here in verse 19, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And the way that it's described and and how it's written there is the exact same way that it's written in Mark chapter 6. Jesus was about to pass them by. Uh, This means that God was confirming and reassuring Moses of his goodness when he says that. He won't leave his people, he's going to go with them through the wilderness, which is another desolate place. And so, in our story here in Mark 6, where is Jesus? He's up on the mountain, he went there to pray. Uh, I think he's interceding for the disciples. Because of the hardness of their hearts, Moses had to intercede for the Israelites. They almost missed a lesson there. And v- from verse 52, we can see that we uh, the disciples had missed a lesson because of their hard hardened hearts also. So it's nighttime. They've been rowing all night long. They're super tired. Uh, Probably they're also old, and uh, I-, I get it. I'm not actually that old, okay? I'm just kind of salty that like my little middle school kids call me a boomer. Like, okay, really? <laughs> oh. they're like the other day they asked me. They're like, "Do you even know what TikTok is?" And I'm I'm like, D- "Yeah, it's dumb." <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the disciples have come face-to-face with their own limitations. They came face-to-face with their own desolation. But at just the right time and at just the right moment, uh, God reveals his goodness to desperate disciples. And What about you? What about you this morning? Maybe things are going really great for you. We're almost halfway through the second semester, three quarters of the way through the year. Maybe it's your first year, your first time away from home. Maybe it's your 11th year here. (laughs) And things could be good, but also things, perhaps you could be today saying that you're going through a desperate time. You could be walking through a chaotic time right now. And maybe you're keeping it to yourself. But you have your own storms to go through. But just remember, God's goodness is with you. He promises to never leave you, to never forsake you. God is with you. Lesson two, God reveals in trials his goodness. This can be hard. When going through chaotic and desperate times, do you see God's goodness? I know I don't always. I find it actually sometimes quite hard when things are super tough, when things are challenging, when it seems like I'm in the middle of the storm and I've been rowing all night by myself. And I look around and I wonder some days, where are you, God? I'm doing all the stuff, I'm praying doing my devotions, and it seems like you're just not showing up. But the disciples also didn't see God's goodness in their trials. Verse 49, But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out. Every time I read this as I prepared, uh, every time I read they cried out, I had like a super silly cartoon in my head. And I could just imagine the disciples on the lake just like, ah. <laughs> It's like way more funny in my head, trust me. <laughs> so sometimes it feels like Jesus doesn't care. Sometimes it feels like we're about to drown. And sometimes when it feels like we're about to drown, it seems as if Jesus is just walking by. I don't always get it. But to desperate people, he reveals his goodness at just the right time. And so, as a student who's older, who's been here forever, and loved it, um, I took a break in between. I had a challenging internship in my final year here, uh, 2012-2013. I was doing an internship. And um, there was a church split that happened. It was a small church at the time, about 140 people. And so a church split was very obvious and created a lot of uh, issues. After this happened, um, all the pastors resigned, like all of them. And I was left to intern without any oversight. And I had to get Pastor Fred Fulford to actually help me Uh, plan and do a funeral at this church because there was nobody to do it except for the intern. And this was super challenging for me. This created a storm for me. But not only did it create just the, uh, the, the normal what you could imagine kind of problems, in my own spirit, I started to have more doubts than I have ever had before. I questioned my faith like never before. In fact, I'm ashamed to say, at a certain point, I decided the church wasn't for me. The ministry wasn't for me. I allowed the pain of what was going on to put me into a desolate place. It created in me a desperate situation. And I couldn't find the answers. I wasn't looking to Jesus enough. So I left uh, that internship. I stopped studying here at Summit. Uh, I joined the RCMP. I was working for them uh, in the Aboriginal Policing Unit. That was super challenging. And then I thought, this isn't what I want to do. It's not fulfilling me. I joined the Army. I thought, oh, my gosh, I love this. I love Canada. I want to serve. I got injured on a training exercise. Um, that injury made me have to just sit and wait for a year recovering from a surgery in an isolated place, away from my family, away from my friends, and it created a desperate situation for me. But that desperate situation drove me back to God's goodness. I was in an isolated situation, a desperate situation across the country, away from everything I knew, and I was driven back to God's goodness. And when we realize our own limitations and become desperate disciples, we can see God's goodness again. And it becomes so much easier to depend depend on Him and on His strength. So... Verse fifty Because they all saw him and were terrified, immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So what's when Jesus says it's I says Ego Amy, this is an allusion to the divine name spoken by God to Moses in Exodus when when God is saying, I am who I am. Jesus, in doing this, is telling them, you're in the middle of the storm. I'm God. I am. Desperate disciples are to desperately depend on Jesus. And again, we are those desperate disciples, right? We're here studying because we want to pursue God, because we feel a call to ministry, because we're desperate disciples. And we're in desperate need of our Savior every day and every moment. So I don't come to Wednesday chapels because I work on Wednesdays, but I I know uh, I listen to the podcast. You guys are talking about relationships. What better place to have all of your dependence on Jesus every day and in every moment? Lesson three Three minutes, oh my. All right, lesson three. We're almost done here. God reveals in trials His strength. When we realize our limitations and depend on His strength and not on ours, He helps us stand firm in the midst of the wind and the chaos and the storms of life. I hope that speaks to some people here, that that encourages you. Um... Just going to jump ahead a little bit because, like, I talk too much. So, when we look to Jesus, realizing that we're desperately dependent on him, he helps us stand in the midst of storms, right? God reveals in trials his strength. And sometimes, maybe, it seems like he doesn't show up. Maybe he does. And the winds and the waves still aren't stopping. But stay encouraged, friends. As students preparing for ministry, we have a calling that is way above ourselves. We're here for other people. We're here to share the message that it's okay to go through life storms. To find ourselves in the middle of the sea, rowing all night long. Maybe sometimes not feeling God's presence. That's okay. Take courage. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. It's I. And um, I'm going to just leave it there. And uh, so, quick prayer. Maybe very simple. If If you're going through storms today... Um, in your personal life, things back home. Maybe you're in the thick of your assignments. You're finding yourself rowing against the wind and the rain. Just join me in this prayer. God, reveal to us the joy of dependence in you. Help us to know that through all storms of life, you are And you are consistent, you're present, and you are the solution. In your name, amen. All right, go enjoy your classes.